0: Open our minds and our eyes and our hearts to see the truth in your holy word. Open our wills to follow that truth. Open our beings to be your servants through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Old Testament lesson is very Episcopalian. There's a vineyard. We drink wine. And God plants this great vineyard, and he gives it, and he goes to Home Depot and gets miracle Grow. He does everything that is right for this vineyard. He just cultivates it, builds towers, the whole thing. And he looks for the harvest, right? And when harvest time comes, he does not get Chardonnay. He gets wild grapes, which are those tiny little things that don't produce anything. And he looks at that vineyard and says, you know, what am I going to do with you? I'm going to tear down the walls, I'm going to turn down everything, let people come in here and trample all over it and that sort of thing. They had been given everything, everything to be the people of God, and they did not produce. And as Isaiah says, I don't know what I'm doing, and he doesn't know what I'm doing, but I'll dance around until we maybe get rid of that. He says, I look for justice and what did I get? Blood. Blood being shed. I looked for righteousness and I heard cries. Okay, people will say, well, first who was crying? Come on. Who? People with people. Not all the people were crying. Just some of the people. Which which group of people were crying? And what were they crying about? The poor and the oppressed oppressed were crying. There were people who weren't crying. Remember. being sour grapes. And I'll let this energy in here go. God is calling upon the people that he gave everything to Life. there was enough for everyone to make this great nation. hold that thought, okay? Remember that. Now, the letter to the Hebrews was to the Hebrews. It expected a good knowledge of the Old Testament. Okay? Of the Hebrew Bible. Who led the people of Israel out of Egypt across the Red Sea? Did Moses want up? Uh, How many plagues did it take for Moses to get the Egyptians to (laughs) I thought it was nine. Is it seven? Seven. How many years did they wander through the wilderness before they got to the promised land? Forty years. It took a long time. It took a lot of energy. It took some suffering in order to get this thing accomplished, right? Okay? Okay. How many days was the army of Israel outside Jericho? It was in the lesson. Seven days. Oh, good. People were paying attention. Good for you. They're out there seven days. And how many times did they have to march around the city and blow their horns before the walls came tumbling down? Seven times. It's a magic number in the Old Testament, okay? Seven days, seven times around the city. In other words, it... They didn't go in and just conquer the city. It took a long time. It took a lot of effort to do all that. It took even more effort to conquer the whole of the Holy Land. Oh, I love that. Rehab the prostitute. You remember her? The spa- spies of Israel were sent into the city to check it out, to find out what the, where their weaknesses were, where their defenses were low. Who were they taken in by? Oh, yeah, exactly. She took them in, and so, when it came time to destroy the city, who was saved? But she had to work at that, didn't she? She had to betray her own city. She had to keep these people quiet. She had to let them out of a basket down on the outside wall. You know, it didn't come easy. Samuel. David. Remember David the King? Okay. Of course... We all love David and Goliath, right? That was a great kind of thing. But how did David become king? Did he just walk in one day and take the crown? He had to fight Saul, who was king. Do you remember that David's oldest son betrayed him? He had to fight him. It wasn't the easiest job the It wasn't a ben of roses. And as in our college today, it said, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who did What? They kept at it. They did not give up. Give up when the uh, road became rough. They didn't stop when it was hard to do the work set before them. And it says, "We have Jesus." Enjoy the shame of that. Do you want me to use that? I'll you. use that. And you'll turn this off, right? I will. Of course, I will. What do you think? Here? Here is Jesus, our example, who endured the cross. And what does it say? Looking to Jesus who endured the cross and degrading shame, let us with perseverance run the race that is set before us. You got the Old Testament lesson, right? The vineyard lesson? Justice, righteousness, run the race that is set before us. Now we get to the gospel. Didn't you just love the gospel? Doesn't that sound wonderful? I came to bring division, not peace. What happened to the Christmas story, I want to know. Counselor, wonderful, mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of What happened to that story? I didn't come to bring peace, I came to bring division. Well, friends, division is always... Present amongst us. The nation of Israel was divided between the halves and the. In our society today, the rich are getting, the poor are getting. Oops. Are we the vineyard? Are you and I the vineyard? Is the same thing happening today that happened in Isaiah's day? What is going on? We are divided. Brothers and sisters, I will guarantee you that if I put up a social issue today in front of us, we would not all be of the same mind. I guarantee you that. Right? We know that. In the Episcopal Church, we are divided from the Anglican Communion. The Anglican Communion is upset with us over issues of human sexuality. Our primate, Catherine, would go to the communion table and there would be primates from other sections of the Church who would not receive communion with her. That Is the Church? Is our unity found in our theology? Or is our unity found in Jesus Christ? What holds us together? Certainly not our opinions. Okay? Our unity is in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We the Diocese of Los Angeles aggravated that division when we elected an eminently strong woman who is in a same-sex relationship for a number of years. And she's one of our bishops now. And so the Anglican Communion has asked us to withdraw people from the ecumenical councils with other churches because we're not in consensus with the Anglican Communion. My dear friends, the Anglican Communion has never been people who think alike. The Episcopal Church's presence at those councils more accurately reflects the Anglican Communion. We are a people of various opinions and various understandings of theology. And we celebrate that as part of our identity and part of our, priv- our pilgrimage in going to the Holy Land. We are happy that we are not conformists. I saw a sign out there, Confirmation Not Conform, for our kids. We are a people who love the Lord Jesus Christ, and who struggle together to discern what that means. And we stand up for what the Holy Spirit has led us to believe. In this diocese, this woman was elected at our diocesan convention by a majority of the votes. This woman was confirmed by a majority of the bishops of our church and of the standing committees of each of our dioceses. This woman was consecrated at a service which was well publicized and had over 4,000 people there and when asked by the presiding bishop do we confirm, do we affirm, do we support the election of this person there was a huge we do this is nothing done in a rump session or a secret session. This is done by people who stand up for what they believe and what they feel the Holy Spirit is leading all Christians towards. Now, that doesn't affect you too much, does it? I mean, Sunday morning goes on at St. Wilfrid's and Sunday morning goes on at St. You know We're a happy little bunch of people and Okay? Ready? Carol Snary told me about a month ago. Carol, I warned you that you're going to be in the server. Carol told me about a month ago (coughs) that she had a client at the Beach Cities operation down there who came in and she had been arrested by the Huntington Beach police because She slept in her car that night. Are there more and more people sleeping in their cars at night? Now, I ask each of you, personally, would you have somebody outside your front door on the street sleeping in their car at night. The car probably isn't as good as yours. Would you allow that? Would you allow a homeless shelter to be in your neighborhood with those people coming and going? Is that woman who slept in her car my neighbor? Is she your neighbor? This is our society today. This very day, this very minute. This is who we are. Would you stand up? Would you go to the chief of police and ask why that ordinance was originally uh, written And would you go to the city council and say, is it still applicable today? The question for you and me in the Holy Bible today is about where we stand. At the end of the Gospel lesson, it says, you know, you can see... The wind blow, you can see the clouds come, you know it's going to rain, you know it's going to be a storm, you know it's going to be a wind. Can you interpret the signs for today? Bill Yarkin and his class taught us that forever it has been and is today the last days. These are the last days for everyone. How do we interpret the signs of our day when we arrest somebody who is sleeping in their car at night because they have no home in which to sleep? This is our society. Who are you and I called to be? We're called to be the conscience and the witness of Jesus Christ. We are called to ring in justice and righteousness in our society. We are called to persevere in that task even when we stand alone. We are called to read the signs of our time and make sure that we are not sour grapes, but that we produce a community in which love is the dominant factor for all of our decisions, where we care for everyone as our neighbor. We are called upon brothers and sisters to stand up for Jesus Christ. Amen.